Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. Man, this is our last message in our learning from lessons. <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> learning from legends, okay? And man, God is going to speak so much today. And so we're going to be talking about this person named Saul. And as we've been going through this series, the legends that we've been learning from, um, we've learned things that we should do and some things that we shouldn't do. And Saul's going to be someone, man, there are some things that we probably shouldn't do, but this has been a key text in our series, okay? Romans 15 says this, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So we're reading about these characters in the scriptures. So they teach us, they instruct us, they give us hope and they give encouragement. How many of you know the Bible is not just a textbook, but it is God's fresh word to us. It can instruct us not just 2000 years ago, but today. And so I'm excited for us to dive in the message. So let's, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for Pentecost Sunday, for your spirit. Lord, the, fle- the flesh produces flesh, but only the spirit produces life. So, God, we lean in your spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Breathe on our time, God. For those that are in person and also those that are online, God, breathe on our time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, well, I believe, I can't prove this, but I'm going to say it, is I believe there are two types of people in this world, okay? First person, they love control. The second person, they say they don't like control, but they're lying to you. <laughs> I think if we're honest, we love control, right? Now, let me, let me clarify, okay, is that there are some things that we want to be in control of. Would you agree? If, if someone says something to you, they go a little sideways. You know when someone says something to you, you're just like, did you, did you just say that? It's like you got to kind of have to tell your face, like, don't react right now. It's like, because I'm, I'm going to say something I may regret, right? Controlling your words in that moment is a great thing. Some of us, how many of you guys know it's good to control yourself when you're driving on the freeway? Some of us, we know Jesus in so many areas of our life, but when it comes to driving, We've yet to meet him there, okay? Like, it's just, I don't know, Lord. Like, let me take the ship. Like, let me take the handle. And it's like, man, we need to be controlled in those areas. Also, how many of you guys know, it's good to show some self-restraint control when it comes to food. Now, man, those foodies out there, I'm one of them. Man, that is a rough thing to do. You know, four or five years ago, it was... My wife and I's um, anniversary, by the way, this last week was our nine-year anniversary, so um, just getting started, so grateful. But so four or five years ago, right, we got a big gift card to an expensive, nice restaurant. I don't know about you, but I get like FOMO when it comes to those things, you know, it's like, man, we got to use every, every dime, everything, right? So we ordered like, I don't remember, like three or four appetizers. I mean, we were like, let's go. And then it came to the main appetizer, and I was like, babe, I don't know if there's any room. Like, for it's just like, I, I wish I would have showed control <laughs> in that moment on, on our anniversary. But that's not the type of control that I want to talk about today. Is I want to talk about the control that actually, if we're not careful, can control us. 
what happens when control controls me? It's almost like this picture where it's like, if you were to, whatever that thing is that you feel like is controlling you, okay? Or it's like, if you were to take your hand and just close it, right? And it's like, man, I want to move forward in my life. I want to make better decisions. Maybe I want to follow Jesus in a fresh, in a um, powerful way. But I can't because I refuse to let go of that thing. I refuse to let go of that attitude. I refuse to let go of that person. I refuse to let go of that sin. And it, 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 it can be so hard because a lot of the times when control is controlling us, we don't want it to, but it is. What happens when control controls us? And, and you might be wondering, man, am I in a place right now where can, control is controlling me? Oh, I'll tell you this. If there is something in your life that you want to move forward in, but you feel like you can't and you're being restrained, control is controlling you. And that's not just for, 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 for people, but especially as followers of Christ. We don't want to be controlled in that way. If you're taking notes, you, you can jot this down, is that holding on to control holds us back from fully trusting in Jesus. Now, let me, let me clarify. Like When you put your full trust in Jesus as, as uh, he's your Lord and Savior, man, your faith is in him. That is huge. But as believers, man, we have to make the daily decision. I'm not going to live for myself. I'm going to live for Christ. I'm not going to put my own desires on the table. I want to follow God's will for my life. But what can happen is that when we allow control, when I become my own um, savior, when I become my own boss, where I, I, I control everything, it holds me back from fully trusting in Jesus. Some of us in this house today, in person online, we might be needing to make some key decisions this season, some key areas that we really need to make progress in. But we feel like we can't because if we were just to let go of that thing, that whatever it is, I don't know if I'm prepared for the aftermath of that. Some of us maybe we're in a relationship where we know it is not, it is not going so well. It's hard. It's like, it's like, it's like you're in, but you're not in, you know, and it's like, I, I want to be out, but it's like, I'm just afraid of like what it's like for you to be outside this relationship. Now, if you're married, that's different. Okay. So don't apply that. Don't, don't twist what I'm saying. Okay. Some of us, it might be like, I need to get out. I need to do something. But it's like, no, no, God is, God is trying, to, he's trying to do something. Maybe, maybe there is a, a particular sin. You know, Hebrews tells us that, man, be so careful that sin doesn't easily entangle you. And it's like, it's like you want to let go of it, but it's like, oh, but, I, but I'm still getting something out of this. Will God really provide? Will, will God really be my contentment, my source? We're just, we're, we're struggling. And what's so horrible about control is underneath our control is usually fear. It's like, I'm so afraid that if I let this go, what's going to happen? But here's the part we, we, we usually don't talk about when it comes to control. Underneath control is fear. But fear, if lived long enough, fear actually becomes about me. And we actually start living like a me-centered life. Where, man, that doesn't fit in my control. I'm not going to do that. This doesn't fit in like what I feel like is good for me that I can't control. I'm not going to do that. So what's to start happening is that my life shrinks to my fear of my control. And not only can I not live for Jesus, but I'm living in such a small bubble, I'm restricted. Yeah. 
I feel stuck. Why? Because I need to be in control. And some of us aren't, I don't think any of us wake up and say, man, I'm going to be in control today and I'm going to take off my, I'm going to take over my life and destruct it. None of us wake up and say that, but yet we can, we can live in that way. And Jesus, oh, thank, thank you, God, for Jesus, that he doesn't allow us to live in that place. We don't, we don't have to stay there. And the, 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 the disciples were wrestling with, with fear as well. And in fact, so there's this moment in Matthew chapter 16 in the Gospels where Peter has this moment, right? You know, it's like, man, you have that moment, you just feel so good about yourself. Jesus said, hey, Peter, I mean, to his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter says, I know who you are. You're the son of God. You're the Christ. And, but literally that next moment, <laughs> Jesus says to all of us, guys, it's going to get bad. Like, let me just tell you plainly what's going to happen. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be crucified. It's, it's, it's going to go down. And then literally the next moment, Peter takes Jesus aside and he reprimands him. It's like, I want to see that, but I'm also nervous at the same time, you know? Like, how do you reprimand Jesus? Like, how do you do that? And this is Jesus' response to Peter's rebuke. He actually, uh, he actually re- rebukes him back. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap for me, to me. You are, here's the key. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. So Peter is, I mean, Jesus is telling the disciples clearly and plainly, I'm going to suffer. These things must happen according to Scripture. Peter's like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. You're not going to suffer. Peter is being controlled by fear in that moment because he, he knows if his rabbi, his Lord, is going to be um, murdered, if he's going to um, suffer, he's going to have to suffer as well. And so control has gripped him so much, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. Like, I need, like, he's not seeing things from a God point of view, but from a human point of view. So Jesus, this is his solution to it. Continue. He said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, this is like where where we lean. If you want to fully follow Jesus, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. I'm reading this with fresh eyes. I'm like, that is so countercultural. Like outside the church, sometimes even inside the church, where it's like, we feel it, right? Because the world tells us if something doesn't feel good, don't do it. And, and even, even more than that, if it doesn't feel good, it's not your, it's not your problem. It's their problem, right? They fix it. Like, don't, don't oppress me. Don't put me in this box, right? It doesn't feel good at all. But Jesus is like, no, no, no. There is going to be some things that aren't going to feel good. Your flesh being crucified, that's not going to feel good. Like, when you have to let go of control and to fully follow Jesus in his ways, at first, man, there's going to be some pain. There's going to be some things that you need to sort out. Because you got to take up your cross, and the cross that we wear isn't something that we just post about on social media. It's not something that we just put on as like jewelry or, you know, we just, you know, walk around with. Back in those times, a cross was execution. It was death. 
And God is so kind, so merciful, where he doesn't want our will, our desires, our control to be coddled. It needs to be crucified. It needs to be dead. And we don't do that ourselves, obviously, like the, the Lord does that. But here's what's so beautiful, is that when we deny ourselves, when we give up our own way and we take up our cross, now my heart is free to fully follow Jesus. The things that, man, that held me back, the things that were in control that I wouldn't let go of, I let it go, and now my heart's fully free to follow Jesus. The freedom, the joy that comes from following him. So here's what I want us to kind of just stir in our hearts this morning. Imagine what it would be like for your faith if you were to let go of that thing today. Imagine how your faith would be affected of like if, of, of, of that spirit of control was just would leave your life. What would your life look like? How would your faith feel? How would, what would be different if those things were to happen? And so I want us to look at the story of Saul today and kind of look at his control issues, if you will. And in our one-year Bible, we've been going through Saul, Samuel, David's been so good. So God was kind of stirring this to me this last week about Saul's story. And I've read, I've read Saul so many times. I think it's easy when you read the scriptures a lot um, over a long period of time where these people in scripture, they almost become like, um, like not real. Oh, that's Saul, right? Of course Saul would do that. No, Saul was like a real person, like real emotions, real will. And so as we see this, we should be filtering this not as like, oh, Saul, man, bad dude. No, no, no. Like, this could happen to us as well, okay? So the context of, of the story is this, is that Samuel told Saul, don't do an offering until I get there, okay? Wait a little bit. I'll get there. Trust me. Wait for me. Then we'll do the offerings, and then you can go into battle, okay? So Saul had clear instructions from Samuel, and we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 13, where it says this, verse 7. Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul said Gagal and his men were trembling with fear. So they crossed over. The men were afraid. The men were scared, right? And then verse 8 says this. Saul waited there for seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed earlier. But Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. Before we continue, I was praying, I was looking at this verse, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit impressed this on my heart uh, for some of us this morning. I didn't feel like it was a literal seven days. It could be, but I felt like some of us, we feel the pressure of those seven days where God has asked us to do something, to wait, but Samuel hasn't arrived yet. The, the men are slipping away. Fear is wanting to creep in. I thought the Lord was wanting to encourage you in that specific window of season of your, of your life right now. Don't take your life in your own hands right now. Don't, don't try to control right now. God is sending a Samuel into your life. God is sending whatever the Lord has promised you. He is faithful and good. But don't give in to those seven days. Again, not, maybe not a literal seven days. That, that short window, God is for you and he sees you and he's a good father and he's cheering you on right now. So it, it continues, okay? So the troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offerings and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Verse 10. 
Just as Saul was finishing up with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went, over, Saul went out to meet him and welcome him. But Samuel said, what is this you have done? Before we continue and kind of break down Samuel's response, don't you hate it? You know, it's like you wait seven days. All right, I'm, I'm going to do it. And then right when he does it, like Samuel writes, like, are you serious? Ugh. And then verse 12 says this, and this is Saul's response. I saw my men scattering for me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines at Mishmash were ready for battle. So the first part I want to lean into is I saw my men scattering for me. Saul was feeling the control. I, I got to do something. But he gave an open door to fear. I saw my men scattering from me. And then what did he do? He did the burnt offer anyways. But then his, also, his response to Samuel is this. And you didn't arrive when you said you would. When we're living in fear, we just start making excuses. I could have, I should have been obedient to Jesus, but this happened. I, man, I should have leaved in and I, I, I should have took care of this. But man, Samuel, you didn't arrive. We see this progression that, man, when we are stuck in control, it starts with fear, but then also, also fear will lead us to a faithless life. Samuel, you said you were going to be here, but then you you weren't. And then it continues in verse 12. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gigal, and I haven't even asked the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. That word um, compelled, it literally means in the Hebrew, he felt restrained. He felt like he had to do it. Saul was so much under this compulsion, this fear. It's like, I don't want to offer the sacrifice, but I'm going to do it anyways because I'm afraid. See, people will tell you that great leaders um, aren't just those that are in authority, but they also say under authority. When you, when, you get, when you get yourselves out of authority, you become your own authority, and that's a scary place to be. And Saul was not only under the authority of, obviously, the Lord, but he was also under the authority of Samuel. And so because uh, Saul felt so compelled and conflicted and divided and restrained, I'm going to become my own Lord. I'm going to become my, you know, my own authority, and I'm just going to do it. If we're not careful, fear, it's going to trick us. It's going to deceive us. And this is... This is Samuel's response to Saul after he gave him his excuses. Samuel says this, how foolish. You know what I love about this? Samuel wasn't like to Saul, you know, Saul, I get it, man. We all have bad days. You know, I get it, bro. Hey, next time, next time, you know, you got this, right? You know, there's a time for encouragement, but there's also a time for like, you missed it. And again, like sometimes... It's so, how you know conviction and condemnation. Condemnation will tell you like how bad you are, but you'll actually start walking away from Jesus. God's conviction is so sweet, so kind that he exposes, but he brings us near. And Romans tells us that it's his kindness that leads us back to repentance. And so, oh, like it makes, no, it's, yeah, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so, oh, it just, in that moment, Saul had to make a choice. And he made the wrong one. And so Samuel says, how foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord God gave you. 
See, Saul was so frantic, so afraid, all he could think about was himself, my troops, my safety, my security. And the Lord isn't insensitive to that, but he missed it. Here's why. You have not kept the can the Lord God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. There was so much more at stake than just Saul's fear and him being frantic, but God was doing something inside of him. God was doing something inside of his troops and the army and the people of Israel, but yet because Saul was compelled, he was doing things like, wait, like, what are you, like, what are you doing, Saul? That's not you. That's not, how, that's not how God's created you to be. God is, God is doing something inside of you, and that's not, that's not obedience to, to Jesus in this moment. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down, is that the enemy wants to use fear to fracture our faith. In that moment, Saul was just so divided, right? It's not like he had no faith or he has a lot of faith. No, he had faith, but he was divided. He was scattered. He wanted to please God, but also he was scared. He wanted to please the people. There was so much conflict. Fear wants to fracture your faith. And unfortunately for, for Saul is that he didn't pivot. This actually became a pattern in his life where you can't, you, you, you go to chapter 15 now. It's a long story. It's so good. You, you guys can read it on your own. But the concept is this, is that again, Samuel told Saul, okay, go in and take everything out. Don't take one thing for yourself. And that's what obedience looks like. So scripture says that Saul went in, he got rid of mostly everything, but he kept a couple things that he thought, man, you know what? It's pretty good. I'm, I'm going to keep this myself. And I feel that because like, that's me sometimes. Where it's like, the Lord's like, do this. It's like, yeah, yeah, I, most of it. But what about this, Lord? And so, and, and here's how, oh, this is how delusional Saul got. And where we have to be so careful with fear is that when, when Saul saw Samuel, he, you know, you know when like you're, you're in the wrong and you're kind of, you know, tiptoeing, he's like, hey, hey, Saul. Like, how you doing? I mean, I, hey, Samuel, how you doing? It wasn't like that. He was, it said, scripture says he was overjoyed to see him. Hey, Samuel, how you doing? Woo, we did it. Like, he literally says, I was obedient. And, and Samuel's like, wait, what? Like, this, is, this is like where you are right now? And, and, and Saul's like, no, no, I did it. I was obedient. And then again, Saul, how Samuel had to come in with a rebuke. And this is what he said. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than the offering of fat and of rams. And immediately Saul was like, oh my gosh, you're right. You know what? I did that because I was afraid of the people. I was afraid of the people. And what's so heartbreaking about this story is that after that moment, God decided Saul's done as king. We're going to get somebody else. Samuel doesn't just rebuke Saul, but he takes the king away from him. And in that moment, literally right after that moment, you guys can read it in your one-year Bible, is after the kingdom was, what, what, what was ripped away from Saul, Saul did everything that God had told him to do. But it was too late. He missed his moment. And we know there is redemption in Jesus. We know that God gives us a hope and a future and a plan, but there are some decisions that we make that, man, we just can't go back on. And it's like, man, I just, my heart broke for Saul because I'm like, how many times in my own life where it's like, it didn't have to be that way. 
We, we didn't have to experience that pain. You can learn from wisdom or from consequence, but we don't have enough bones in our body to always learn from consequence. There's got, there, there, we, we have to learn by wisdom, and Saul missed it. And we have that same temptation when we're living in fear, is that, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do almost everything God wants me to, but this part, I'm just going gonna, gonna to keep to myself. Sacrifice is saying, hey, I'm going to give God kind of what he wants, but I'm going to still kind of do my own thing. Obedience is saying, God, I don't just want to give you my actions. I want to give you my whole heart. It was never just about the sacrifices. It was about Saul's heart. And the part where Saul missed it was that his heart was divided. It was conflicted. And Jesus speaks about this in Matthew chapter 6 where he says this. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. Some of us, we're just in that tension right now. We want to love the Lord with our whole hearts, but yet, ugh, I just feel so conflicted right now. And if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, that a divided heart cannot produce a devoted faith. Oh, I just feel, I feel so divided. And it's like, it's like, no, but, but here's the key. The Lord wants, he doesn't just want your sacrifice. He doesn't just want our church attendance. He doesn't just want our times in the Bible here and there. Those are all great things. I'm not discouraging that. But the Lord says, I don't need your rams. I don't need your sacrifice. I want your obedience because obedience is about your heart. It's, it's, it's not about, oh, none of us want to live with a divided heart. We want to have a devoted faith, but it comes from obedience. You know, some messages that we preach, it's like, woo, you don't feel like, man, I'm nailed it, but, you know, I feel, I feel okay, you know. I feel like I'm making progress, right? Excuse <coughs> me. The Lord convicted me right now. It's great. <laughs> I've never felt that way before, by the way. Um, but the, some messages, they feel a little tender, you know. They feel a little raw, like, ooh, Lord, you're like, you're still kind of doing this in me, yeah. like, big time. And, I, and a lot of you guys know my story because I've mentioned a, a lot. But growing up, my goodness, I had a lot of fear in my life. I, I felt restrained and, and controlled. And it was so easy for me to blame it on being an introvert. And I'm just, again, I'm convinced there are two people in this world. There are ones that love being in the middle, talking to people. Then there are those who love the walls in the room. And man, you know, I, don't, I still don't mind the walls sometimes, honestly. The walls, the walls are, 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 are pretty good. But I got to tell you, it was so easy to make excuses. Oh, I'm just shy. And oh, you know, it's hard to make friends. No, it was fear restricting me, controlling me. There is things that I knew that I wanted to do. New territory, new mountains, take on new challenges. There are people that I just wouldn't go up and talk to because I was restrained by fear. Control. And then I... I met Jesus. He saved me. He brought me from death to life. But, but, but I was still working that out. I remember I was 19 years old. I had recommitted my life to Christ. And there was just tension in me, you know. I was in my word. And I was um, at church. And I, I loved God was doing something in me. But I was still controlling so much of my life. And I remember one of my leaders said, hey, like, God is, God is doing something in you. You should, like, you just serve with us in, like, our, our youth ministry. And it wasn't called Growth Track, but it was almost like a growth track. Hey, come to like our training. Come to our group. And you know when like someone's like asking you to do something, you're like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll be there. But inside you're like, there's no way. 
It was one of those moments where I was like, you're asking the wrong dude. And thank God for the church that I was at that um, wasn't pushy, but they were pushy. You know what I'm saying? Like, they weren't in my face, but they loved me so much that they wouldn't allow me to hide. <laughs> they, they wouldn't allow me to stay in my corner and say, no, no, God has something for you. I'm not going to force you, but I'm going to invite you. And so finally I came. I mean, I was excited. And somehow they, they, they trusted this 19-year-old to be a middle school a small group leader. And, but here's the problem. Whenever it was my first day to serve, I was always sick. I, there was always a movie to watch or there was always like a friend to see. It was the craziest thing. Like I just, whenever it was time for me to serve, I just, I, I wasn't available. And I was paralyzed by, it. I, I was, I mean, honestly, I was crippled. I, just, I couldn't do it. And after literally three months of dodging the bullet, they're like, Chris, like what's, like, 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 what's really wrong? <laughs> and it's like, I'm just afraid. I'm scared. Like, what if I can't do this? What if I don't, like, match up? What if I let you down? What if I ruin a kid? You know, it's like, what if sin creeps up again? I just, there was so much fear. And they were just like, no, no, no. God is doing something inside of you. And listen, God doesn't just want someone through you, but he wants to do something inside of you. And thank God that I had leaders who loved me and pushed me and encouraged me. Can I just encourage you? I didn't say this in first service, but, you know, we need to, we need to encourage our leaders. We need to strengthen our leaders because there's something beautiful that when our leaders are pushing in it and, and like, you know, encouraging us, when we honor them and thank them, um, it's not for them, but it's also for us. So we keep going. We keep pushing, right? There's just something beautiful about that. And I'm just grateful right now for all the leaders that have invested in me. Like, I wouldn't be here for the grace of God, but also for the God-appointed um, people um, that are in my life now, or maybe that were just there for a season. And so, man, I went, and you know what? It wasn't like this, okay, I served. <laughs> Control's gone. It was a season of every week showing up, every week praying, every week, God, I am, I'm going crazy, but I'm, I'm going to do it for you. I'll, I'll be crazy for you, Lord. And here's the thing. I look back and I'm like, wow, God, God did something in me. And it really reminded me of 1 John chapter 4 where it says this. Chapter 5, I'm sorry, verse 3. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. It seems like, like how does that pair up? Is that we think following God and being obedient is like actually burdensome. If I, if I release this thing, if I give it away, if I step on my fear, my control, so much burden. But can I tell you, before I started following Jesus, that was a huge burden on me. No peace. <laughs> like, no purpose, no calling. But when I stepped into that, not only did like, the burdens leave, but also I realized that, man, that obedience it led me to love God in such a deeper way. I am not saying that obedience, that, man, there aren't going to be some burning moments. It's not like you follow Jesus. Life just gets better. Sometimes it actually gets harder. But here's the key, is that when you're going through those hard times, the burdens, man, you're not going, you're not going through it by yourself anymore. We, we have the comforter. We have the spirit of truth. We have the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. And so got a question for you. When, it, when you think about obedience, when you think about obedience right now, is it a burden to you? Or is it something that God wants to bring joy into your life? 
So as we kind of pivot and as we close, I want to give us some questions for us to think through, pray through. It's like, man, how do I apply this? Like, I don't want to be compulsive. I don't want to be controlling. I want to be obedient. What do I do? I have three questions for you. Okay, number one is this. It sounds obvious, but it's key. Where is God calling me to be obedient? Where is God calling me to be obedient? Now, this sounds like an obvious question, but it's like, man, there are some things where, man, you don't need to pray about to be obedient in. You don't need to pray to be to, to serve your spouse this week, okay? You don't need to pray to honor your parents this week. There are some things it is just clear in Scripture. But there are other things where it's like, man, what is God personally pointing a, or, or, or putting a finger on and say, hey, in this area, man, I want to like, I want to do something in here. I want to like, like, I want to touch this area of your life. And a lot of times, it's not necessarily even a behavior, but it's a posture of our heart that God wants to shift. So where is God calling me to be obedient? Second is what is competing for my devotion? Because a lot of times when we're trying to be obedient, something's trying to take it away. Something's trying to steal that attention, that affection from Jesus in, in, in that space. And it really reminded me of, of Abraham. Where Abraham, for the longest time, at God, I just want a son. And scripture makes it so clear that God said to Abraham, Abraham, I will confirm my covenant with you. And he pretty much asked Abraham, Abraham, like, do you believe? And Abraham said, I do believe, Lord. And there was a confirmation of his faith. And so Abraham already knew. He knew that his faith, faith was confirmed. But even though, man, we could be walking with the Lord, there's still some areas, man, that can get kind of funky at times. And for him, there's this moment in Genesis chapter 20 where, where God asked Abraham, Abraham, I, I want you to sacrifice your son. It's like, what? You're asking me, like, to do what? And what God was trying to do is that he was already trying to confirm what he already confirmed him earlier is that you can trust me. This thing that you need to hang on to, man, you don't need to allow that to keep you back from me. And so as Abraham put up, put it up to, to sacrifice his son, God said to Abraham, stop, stop. Do not lay a finger on your son. Why? I just wanted you to know. I wanted you to know that you feared me. What is competing for your devotion? What is something that you need to put on the altar today that God wants to take away so it doesn't take away from you being obedient? Then lastly, probably my favorite question, is how does the gospel compel me to obey wholeheartedly? Because you could have those first two questions, but if it's not gospel filtered, gospel-centered, we're going to try to behave ourselves to obedience. And that's exhausting. We don't want to sacrifice. We, we, want to, we want our sacrifice to come from a place of obedience. And I love this. I love this passage in Philippians chapter 2 where Paul, where Paul talks about the majesty, the beauty of Jesus. And he says this. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, continue, 
he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Oh, get this picture of Jesus. Is that fully God, fully man? But Jesus himself didn't think um, it worthy enough for him to actually clean on to his divine godly privileges that he actually gave them up. He actually let go of it Oh, like what a picture that is. Why? So he could humble himself in obedience to the Father. We can be obedient to Jesus with our whole hearts because Jesus was already fully obedient to his Father. We can walk in that same grace. We can walk in that same authority. We can walk in that same obedience. Why? Because Jesus already has made the way for us through his obedience. So let that, like, let that be fire to your soul. Where it's like, where is God asking me to be obedient? What is competing for, for my devotion? Oh, knowing the Lord, man, he, he let go of everything. And he took upon my sin so I could let go of my sin as well. It changes the whole game. And so as we, as we wrap this up, fear wants to fracture our faith. Fear is really about control and me. But when we let it go and we obey God with our whole hearts, we get to experience our faith being fully alive and fully free. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for what you are doing inside every single person. So I pray, God, that, Lord, that I pray the gospel would convict us today. I pray the gospel would compel us to follow you with our whole hearts, our whole lives. That fear would not be our master. Control would not be what drives us. But I pray, God, that we would obey, Lord, with our whole hearts. And that, God, that we would experience, God, the freedom, the life that comes when we follow you, God, with all that we have. I pray these things in your name. Amen and amen. Could we give God some glory right now, church? Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.